powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the program where you heard it here first, folks. They will be doing a remake of The Wizard of Oz, a fresh take on it. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine what we'll end up with? Today on the program, my special guest is the talented Karen Reed. She'll be connecting with us from Raleigh, North Carolina, and she'll give us some thoughts on something we're all doing more and more of, the virtual meeting. She has a new book out this month called Suddenly Virtual, and it's full of ideas and best practices to help you improve your virtual interactions. And I'll be doing a uh, special leadership and business lesson on communication. That's our theme this month in our leadership and business lesson coming up a little later on in the program. It's all coming up today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The 2021 Subaru Forester. A spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before, everyone. Karen Reed is my special guest today, the CEO and Chief Confidence Creator of Speaker Dynamics, a corporate communications training firm featured in Forbes magazine. While speaking through a webcam might be new to some of you and to um, actually much of the world, Karen's been teaching business professionals how to be effective on camera uh, for nearly 10 years, translating her experience as an Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist and on-camera spokesperson into a methodology based upon the MVPs of on-camera success. Karen and her team have been the chosen training partner for some of the world's most recognized companies and most respected academic institutions in the world, everyone from Nike to uh, Lenovo, from Duke University to the Graduate School of Business at Stanford. Her first book, On Camera Coach, Tools and Techniques for Business Professionals in a Video-Driven World, was a number one hot new release in business communications on Amazon in 
2017. Her second book, which comes out this month, that's what we're going to talk about today, Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work, debuts this month and is written with Dr. Joseph Allen, one of the foremost thought leaders in meeting science. Bet you didn't know there was a whole science about meetings, did you? It's designed to provide research-based best practices for making the most of virtual meetings with video at their core. And now, directly from Raleigh, North Carolina, we have Karen Reed right here in front of us in a virtual environment right now. Hi, Karen. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s. I kind of moved out of my kid years there in the mid-70s when I moved toward teens, right? But I was always fascinated because there were some great science fiction fiction shows that came out when I was a kid, like Star Trek and some of that stuff. And they were always talking to each other on these video phones and screens. I thought, how cool is it going to be one of these days when we're able to do that? And look, here we are. I know. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that too, Tony, because, you know, I allude to the video phone that they had on the Jetsons. So I'm yeah. kind of dating myself from that, but I, I thought the same thing. And, you know, it, it's funny how so much of, of our communication now is from the waist up, <laughs> but, but there's a distinct difference between how we are communicating with the screens than the way the Jetsons did, because the Jetsons could talk to each other and like, look at the screen and make perfect eye contact. I love and it that. Made sense. But unfortunately, we can't now the majority of the time because the webcam wherever it's placed is typically not embedded in the screen and so you have that challenge of where do I look do I look at the camera or do I look at the screen <laughs> I want to look at the screen because that's where the people are but then it looks like you're not making eye contact at all it's yep. like this terrible vicious cycle <laughs> what would be interesting and, and you'd have to check on copyrights and stuff like that but I could see you asking people are we going to have a Jetsons meeting or are we going to have a Flintstones <laughs> meeting Right? It's like just That's a few, hard. like just a few months ago, we were having the Flintstones meeting where we all had to go into a room together, right. uh, and now we're doing the Jetsons meeting where we're all on screens. So or the Brady Bunch boxes, oh, whatever yeah. you're on gallery view. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I've spoken at some conferences this year, and it looked like Brady Bunch times a hundred. You know. Yeah, exactly. And and isn't that kind of fun to check out all those different, you know, settings that people have created for themselves? I know, and all the virtual backgrounds, and I have to like slap myself and go, hey, Tony, focus on your content. <laughs> Quit looking at everybody. And that's when you know you have a background that's probably not working for you. <laughs> if people are focused more on what's behind you than on your face. That is probably an issue. <laughs> Here's my last, just kind of on this rabbit trail that we'll get back to your, your important information, but there was a lady on a meeting I was in several weeks ago and she was in uh, Wichita, Kansas and she had the ocean background right Hi. and I'm was like I'm like oh my yes and Hi. I'm like hey is that in Wichita <laughs> <laughs> and she's she like, probably said, I wish I'm like, I'm moving to Wichita, you know, I mean, man, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, great. So you got this new book and it's, and it's out this month. Thank you for sending one to me. I was able to peruse it and look through it. It's so interesting. I can't wait to sit down and actually, we just didn't have time before we were going to do this for me to go through and really read it like I want to, but I saw several things. I really want to go back and just check out the whole book, but it's called suddenly virtual and making remote meetings work. So what was your thought? Why do we write it in the first place? Well, yeah. I, there are lots of different reasons, but you know, primarily because uh, we had um, 
been seeing a lot of people initially, whenever the pandemic began, uh, just kind of grab on to whatever tools they could in order to be able to meet. And, and so that meant a lot of folks were just, you know, not necessarily being intentional in what they use. They were just using whatever worked at the time in whatever way they could. But now, you know, we're, we're almost a year into this uh, pandemic and, and people are trying to be more strategic in, in how uh, they are meeting virtually and trying to get the right tools in place and making the right decisions on how to use them effectively. Uh, so I think now is the time to give people some science-based guidance. And, and that's what I really love about this book, Tony, because we're taking uh, two people, you know, you've got Joe who is, uh, or I could call him Dr. Allen, but he's Joe to me. So I'll call him Joe. So Joe is this, you know, very prestigious meeting scientist. And he has all of this data that he's been gathering since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, talking about what's happened to meetings and what has worked and what has not. And then I was training thousands of people on how to be effective on-camera communicators in a virtual environment. And we came together with these two uh, you know, different experiences and areas of expertise and said, hey, we're working on the same problem. Let's see if we can collaborate and create really a practical guide. Uh, so when you talk about going back and, and reading sections of the book, that's exactly what we hope people will do. Uh, not all of it may be applicable to your situation, but there may be uh, quite a few chapters where you're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. And you can go through it and it's, it's included in that. You'll have a lot of checklists and, and, and specific tools and exercises and, and assessments that can help you actually uh, do it better. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's really our, our hope is just kind of amplify the message. You know, how many times over the last year have you heard this phrase? They don't want to follow the science. And so <laughs> I, I, I now realize that because of Dr. Joe and some colleagues of his, we haven't been following the science in meetings, obviously, because there's been some really bad meetings. We didn't even know there was a science. So <laughs> I think it's, it's awesome that he's doing that kind of work because one of the worst complaints from, you know, I've always said employees don't, they don't dislike meetings. They just dislike bad meetings. Right. Right. And, and we do so many bad meetings. Oh yes, we, we certainly <laughs> do. And, and the thing is a bad meetings beget other bad meetings. And so one of the things that, that we are big proponents of for the virtual setting is that you do the most basic thing you can, which is turning on your webcam. <laughs> so many folks are not turning it on. And, and that is, uh, keeping them from being as effective as possible. Because if you consider whenever you're meeting in person, you're communicating not just with your words, with your tone of voice, you're communicating with your whole body. So all of those nonverbal cues are silent when you have the video off. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it makes it really difficult for people to understand the intent of your message and the impact of the message. You can't read the room when the room is just a bunch of boxes with names on them. Right. And, and so it makes it really difficult to have a good flow of conversation. And it, it makes it extremely difficult for you as the you know, speaker per se to adjust your delivery uh, based upon the feedback you're receiving. I, you know, I, that's why I'm so excited about the work you're doing, uh, because you're trying to establish some standards. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't believe that it just wasn't standard practice for people to have their camera on and that, uh, you know, meeting leaders would allow them to not have their camera on. 
you know, right. so. Well, I think that there's this perception that as soon as you turn the webcam on that you're supposed to be somebody straight out of Hollywood. <laughs> and that is not the case. It, it's a matter of just giving people all of those uh, visual cues that they can then use to interpret your message. So, I mean, there's some basics that I think should be standard operation for everyone. And it's not to go and hire a set designer or go get a makeup artist. <laughs> it is a matter of like, first of all, putting some light on your face, you know, making sure that you are well lit from the front so that people can read your facial expressions uh, because we convey so much through that. Uh, I would suggest that you ensure you have great audio. Uh, and a lot of times people will just default to the built-in microphone on their laptop, but they're really not designed for high fidelity sound. So ensure that you have crisp, clean audio by going on a call with somebody who is going to be candid with you and will say, hey, you sound like you're talking, you know, in, in a, a tin box or, <laughs> or a tin can rather, or you are echoey. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, it can be something as simple as, you know, taking those little earbuds that you have and plugging them into your computer because you're probably going to get better sound off of those than you would off what's currently embedded in your laptop. Yeah, I have a cousin who uh, has been doing classes. She's been teaching classes online and I uh, checked in with her the other day just to see how it was going. And she goes, well, actually, right now I'm planning to build a studio. And I thought, oh, <laughs> right, no. way to go, right? Yeah. I mean, up up the quality, up the standard. Uh, more That will attract more people. Yeah, and you actually don't even need a whole lot of space to be curated, is what I would call it. You know, currently, like, obviously, folks can't see us, you know, this is a podcast, but um, sure. you, I'm only showing you maybe five feet behind me, I can have total chaos on either side of the frame, and you wouldn't know it, and no one else would. So it's a matter of just making sure your immediate background is clean and uncluttered. It doesn't have to be out of, you know, better homes and gardens, but it should be non distracting. We're kind of on a roll here. So turn your camera on and, mm -hmm. you know, watch your background, make sure you have good light. What's some other things that people can do to be effective having a virtual meeting? Framing is really critical as well. Uh, so a lot of times I will see people either uh, show, like be too close to the camera and you just see their heads um, or they'll be lopsided or they'll cut off their forehead or cut off their chin. You know, what you're trying to do with your framing, which is how much of you shows up on, on the camera is creating what would be um, seen when you're face-to-face. -face. So whenever we're talking to somebody face-to-face, -face, basically we're taking in their body language from you know head maybe to mid chest. So try to create that same opportunity for them to take in your nonverbals virtually using the same amount of space. So frame yourself maybe from chest up uh, and, and give yourself a little bit of wiggle room because you want to also be able to have room to be able to gesture and, and, and you'll come across as more authentic as well. The other big mistake I see is people do not have their camera at eye level. So when we talk to people face to face, we are typically looking them directly into the eye, but whenever people use like, for example, their laptops, they might keep it down on their desks or on a table and they're typically looking down on their camera. And that can actually create a really odd power dynamic. In some ways you look a little bit imperious. And yeah. so what you wanna do is lift up your laptop uh, so that it is at eye level. You can do that in a very low budget way by sticking it on a stack of books or on a box uh, and make sure that your camera is pointed straight behind you at the wall, not pointed up. Here's a tip. If you see your ceiling in the shot, 
then you know your camera is angled up. You want it to be pointing back at the wall. I don't want to see any more ceiling fans in the shot. <laughs> oh, never, I never would have thought of that. that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, I typically do them here uh, where there's just kind of this back wall here with nothing on it. Or yeah. I do a lot of them where I'm doing coaching. I do them from home, and I've got this huge built-in-the-wall bookshelf behind me. It's almost too overwhelming because it's just – you know, the, the we get on the call, if I haven't been on the call with somebody and they're like, did you read all those? You know, I'm like, <laughs> well, and as you know, people do notice what's behind you, right? You know, so, so you have to be cautious about that. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't, wanna... I didn't buy them for just the look, you know, so. <laughs> well, and, and you don't want to reveal anything about yourself that you wouldn't want to reveal. But what I say is, you know, having a conversation starter behind you is often a good idea because it helps you to, you know, find common ground and build rapport. Uh, but having 10 conversation starters, not so much a good idea. You know, I, I, right now on ESPN, which is a channel I watch a lot, I'm a sports fan. And so, so everyone on ESPN now is doing the games from their house. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. I find myself looking over their shoulder to see what's back there. Right. You know, and but here's what's fascinating. As somebody who was a broadcaster for so many years, I actually just recently did an interview with a local NBC station. And the person who was interviewing me said, I really need your help on this. I, I think I do a lot of things wrong. And she's describing some of the things that she does on a virtual call. I'm like, wait, you're in this business. <laughs> you should know <laughs> these right. best practices. So, you know, it, it's probably common sense, but it's uncommonly practiced. I, I, I look back there and I'll see something that relates to the game I'm watching and it's back there on their bookshelf and I'm like, okay, did they do that on purpose just for this game or is oh, that book back there all the time? You I'm going to have to look and see now. That's it. Product placement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, all sorts of things like that. Just fascinating. Yeah. So, so what about, um, what about big no-no's? <laughs> I mean, the, the well, ceiling fan, obviously, and, and don't, they don't have the ceiling in the shot. What else? Not turning your webcam on, honestly, is the biggest one, um, mm. because I do see that often. Uh, and there are all sorts of excuses for it. And it's funny because at first, I think people were almost more likely to turn the webcam on whenever people were just craving uh, some sort of human interaction. But now, um, you know, there's this whole Zoom fatigue uh, that we're all aware of. Uh, and people sometimes use that as an excuse to keep their webcam off all the time. Uh, my thought is if you are spending your entire day on Zoom, then yeah, understandably you are going to be exhausted by it because it does require a whole lot more energy uh, and uh, effort to be in a virtual video environment. But if you have a critical meeting and you have your webcam off, that is a huge mistake uh, because people will be able to connect with you so much better if you're not a disembodied voice, if they're putting a name with a face uh, and you're, you're keeping that tool in your toolbox and that's the most powerful one you have. Uh, so I'd say that's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. The other thing I also see just from a meeting uh, efficiency standpoint is sometimes there are just too many people in the meeting on a virtual call. Uh, you really have to consider who needs to be in the room because in order to have really effective conversation flow, kind of the sweet spot, according to Dr. Joe, uh, is between five to seven people. Mm -hmm. If you get beyond that, it can become really unwieldy. 
uh, and it, that's exaggerated uh, in a virtual setting. I, okay, I'm going to tell on myself here. So okay, <laughs> so several days ago, well, let me just preface this by saying one of my dogs, Oreo, she is having the time of her life that I'm home a lot because of the pandemic. I mean, she just loves it that I'm there. So she's got a little dog bed in front of my desk. And a lot of times I won't even know it. She'll crawl up there on that little dog bed, lay down, take a nap while I'm working. Sure. Well, the other day, a few days ago, I'm on a coaching meeting, like you and I are sitting here talking and I've got my head down taking notes because the other person's talking. And all of a sudden I can hear Oreo snoring and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And this was a long convoluted story as you will a lot of times get in a coaching meeting. Right. right so they're right. telling their long convoluted story and, and I'm like, Oh, I hope they don't think I've fallen asleep. Oh, that is so funny. And, and believe it or not, Tony, that's not the first time I've heard somebody talk about concerns that their dog snoring would be perceived as their own. But you know, one thing I will say is in this environment, there is so much empathy that has been built. Uh, people are so much more understanding of the challenges that uh, folks are facing within their, their own home environments. Yep. And I think it's created a deeper bond in a lot of cases, it you know, be. especially with coworkers, you're seeing people as whole humans as opposed to just their specific role. And, you know, there's still a lot of research to be done on how this is going to change the, the uh, social dynamics in the workplace. But, but I definitely see uh, some differences. I mean, just to give you a, a quick um, anecdote from my own practice. I was talking to a client who was saying she was talking to one of her uh, key opinion leaders, one of her, her customers, and her six-year-old daughter ran in in the middle of her virtual call and hopped up on her lap. And at first she was really horrified, but then her conversation partner, the uh, customer started laughing and then talked about how she has a six-year-old daughter too. And oh, what's her name? And, and they just ended up having this great conversation that sure was not directly related to business, but you can bet that it's going to actually enhance their business relationship. Yeah. So those unexpected interruptions, those uh, you know moments of authenticity, actually can have business value. Uh, so it, it, it's not something that you should definitely say, oh my gosh, that was just a, a, a nightmare. It actually can work in your favor. Well, I was a bad dog dad. I outed Oreo. I was I was real quick to say, it was Oreo. <laughs> yeah, but then did the person on the other side say, hey, yeah. I have a dog too. Or like yep. they probably, you know, it started this other conversation that it helped did. you to kind of build a rapport. It did. And, and, and also I was on a meeting last night where it happened to somebody else uh, the dog wasn't sleeping but they were kind of you know ready for dinner or something like that and I'm like hey the dog can do what they want don't you worry <laughs> about it let the dog do do their thing so let me Absolutely. ask you this question so uh, hopefully we're in February hopefully we're going to be coming out of this pandemic thing uh, as the vaccinations reach more critical mass and, and all that so the pandemic's going to be winding down is this all here to stay all indications are that there will be, in all likelihood, a hybrid approach for the vast majority of businesses. And one of the interesting things that we're seeing as a result of the pandemic is that uh, work from home can actually work. You know, productivity has not really taken a hit. Uh, and so there, there's a, an argument that can be made for the idea of letting a lot of folks continue to work remotely. So 
for the future, what we're anticipating is that there will be a lot of these hybrid meetings, which will be incredibly complex because, you know, it, it's a network effect. You know, whenever you are in a meeting all in the same room, all those people create one network. When you are in a virtual meeting, everybody is showing up in an egalitarian way on the screen. That is one network. But now you're talking about with a hybrid meeting having several networks in one meeting. You have the network of the three people who are co-located in this one conference room, joining with three people who are in another conference room in another location, and then with like five people who are showing up on their individual webcams. The meeting leader is gonna have to figure out a way to get all of those networks to communicate with each other, uh, or else you're gonna end up having these like separate meetings all happening at once, and it's gonna be really difficult to move the needle. <laughs> One of the things I thought Zoom did a great job with was the breakout room. I thought they yep. they were ahead on that, and they had perfect timing where these large groups, like you said, can break off into separate meetings for a little while and then come back and share. And I, I think that really added to uh, the effectiveness of, of it all. Right. And it makes it a much more intimate experience, right? And then you just have to make sure that you as the meeting leader uh, check in with those different small groups and say, okay, well, what did you learn? And then it, all of that information is passed along to the group at large. Yeah. And some of the peers that I you know, I have some of my colleagues, uh, they've been real good about sharing different technologies. They've used uh, virtual uh, whiteboards and things like that, that. They're like, hey, I used this the other day and it was really good and you ought to try this. Yeah. And so that, that that's all I think been, been very good. But as far as tech goes, what do we need to do so we stay on top of what we're going to need for this going forward? I think you have to standardize. Uh, what we saw initially was everybody grabbed whatever. <laughs> so you had like five different video conferencing platforms. You had some people who went out and purchased the external webcam and the ring light. And then you had other folks who were sitting in the dark uh, using the laptop webcam. You have people who are using you know, Trello. You have people who are using Slack, people who are using email. So it's kind of all over the place. I think standardizing the tools that you use for collaboration is really critical. So that can mean, you know, making sure that everybody has a webcam that has a high quality image, uh, that everybody has an audio input, you know, whether it is a lavalier microphone that connects via USB, which is kind of my go-to, or uh, has a stand-up microphone or a headset, whatever you can get uh, them so that they have crisp, clear audio. And then think about the platform you want to use. Having one platform for uh, everyone allows people to become masters of it because a lot of us will use uh, these video conferencing platforms at a very uh, basic level, but their capabilities are so much more. So uh, we're visiting with Karen Reed, and uh, we're talking about how to make your virtual meeting successful. Her new book is out this month. It's called Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work. And so what's your favorite part of the book? <laughs> you know, I would say probably the conclusion, because it talks about how Joe and I are living proof that relationships can be built successfully entirely virtual. Joe and I have never met in person. Wow. We have built our relationship entirely over Zoom. Uh, and he's one of my closest colleagues. So that was something that was pointed out actually by one of our spouses. And, and I thought it was a really appropriate way to end the book. Wow, that's that's really neat. That's really neat. So do you think you'll write another book? 
<laughs> Actually, we're already talking about a potential third one, which uh, I, it's funny because after I wrote my first one, I said, well, I have nothing left to say. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> well, lo and behold. <laughs> I've been through the same thing, right? So I've written two and I'm just like, I don't know if there's a third one. You know, but, right, right. But now, well, you never know until you're signing on the dotted line, and then you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this again." Yeah, <laughs> it's 12, a lot of work, but it's a gratifying thing too. Twelve months later, you're like, "Okay, I'm ready to go again." Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, this has just been fantastic, and you've been uh, sharing some really helpful things that I think people can put to work right away, and uh, that's all great. I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody how to find out more about you and uh, to connect with you and learn more about your services and things like that. But before that, I got a standard list of closing questions I ask every guest that comes on the program. And I'm just going to shoot these to you uh, one right after another and just whatever comes to mind. Okay. Number one, what is the best memory that immediately comes to mind? Oh my gosh, the best memory? Having my, um, I would say having both of my children. Uh, you know, actually probably my first. And the reason why I'm saying my first is I was really sick with my second one and when it was a C-section. So that memory was not so great. But the first one, when he was born, it was uh, an amazing experience and, and completely transformed my, my worldview. And you have two? I do. I have two boys. You're apart. <laughs> their names are? Hayden and Jackson. Oh, they'll love that. Yeah, but good. I, I Wonderful. Their names. Thank you for asking that. Sure. <laughs> Who's the number one hero in your life? My dad. Uh, he uh, passed away uh, 10 years ago, but I just was definitely a daddy's little girl. And, and I looked up to him in so many ways, uh, literally, because he was 6'5", but also just figuratively, because he was just uh, such a kind, gentle force uh, who uh, was always um, trying to, to find the best in people. What was his name and what did he do for a living? Oh, Dick Hawkins. And yeah. he actually was in human resources for oh, his wow. entire career. Cool. What was your mom's name? Uh, my mom is still with us. Uh, yeah. Peggy Hawkins is her name. And, yeah. and you know, she's, she's my best friend. <laughs> so I talked to her multiple times a day. What'd she do? Uh, she was a teacher. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, you can see that's kind of come on through the DNA, right? Yeah, I guess so. And it's funny, you know, because, you know, I didn't go that path, but, um, you know, I, I began as a reporter, but I think that also came from my mom because she's somebody who's curious about everyone. And, you know, if you're in a, an elevator with her, she will know your life story by the time you get from floor one to floor four. Okay, great. Um, what is the top value you subscribe to? Mm, uh, authenticity, being yourself. And that's what we try to help our clients do. Who is the most important person in your life? my husband. <laughs> that was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> and his name? Sean Reed. Sean. We're hitting all of them today, Tony. Yeah, this is great. Right. I can't wait to have them hear this. What's Sean do? Uh, he's actually in, in sales and pharmaceuticals. Good for him. All right. So what's your favorite thing in the whole world? <laughs> Being with my family. Uh, and I guess that makes sense given Family all time. of the responses I just made. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that was uh, instilled in you a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> it always has been. Simple. <laughs> and actually, I uh, don't eat sugar. Uh, I don't like the taste. It's not like I'm being good. Uh, but my mom used to make me macaroni and cheese for my birthday and stick candles in it. That is That's a totally great. true story. <laughs> Most beautiful place you've ever been to. Hmm. I have to say, 
um, Hawaii. It, it almost looks fake. You know, just the, the blue of the ocean is a color that you don't think it, it's possible for it to be. I know that people say that um, they would never get tired of living in Hawaii, but I always tell them, you know, people in Hawaii even take vacation. That's true. All right. So um, if you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Mm. Oh, that's really hard. Success in one word. Um, just happiness. You know, I, I think you know, that's something that we all seek. And it's different for each of us. You know, what makes each of us happy is, is it's going to be, um, you know, unique to our, um, our values. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, success shifts uh, over time. Uh, but if you are finding joy in what you're doing, uh, then, then you found it. How do you want to be remembered? Um, you know, probably just a, as a force for good. <laughs> In what in whatever space that I'm working in, uh, you know, and that's, you know, being a force for good in, in my professional life and in my personal life as well. If you could go back and talk to a younger Karen, what advice would you give? <laughs> Don't be an accounting major freshman year of college. <laughs> Big <funny>. mistake. <laughs> What's your favorite sound? Uh, favorite sound. Hmm. That's interesting. I actually love um, choral music. I, I sang with a touring choir in college, and um, you know that is something that if 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 there's um, beautiful harmony, uh, it can immediately bring tears to my eyes. All right, last one of all the lessons you've learned so far. What's your favorite one? I. <laughs> uh, it's not that you ever fail at something; you just stop trying and you do something else. <laughs> Great. Karen Reed, the book is Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work. Make sure you get that. It comes out this month. Karen, tell everyone how to find out more about you or connect with you. Fantastic. So the best place to reach me is, is probably directly through my website, which is speakerdynamics.com. Uh, and there are various uh, ways that you can reach out on there. You can actually uh, buy either one of the books. Uh, we have launched an online course. Uh, so if people are wanting to learn how to be better virtual communicators, they can actually take a, a self-paced uh, e-learning path. Great. Well, listen, thanks for being on the program today. I'm sure you added a lot of value to our listeners and love to have you come back and talk some more sometime. I would love that, Tony. It's been a real pleasure. All right, Karen Reed, everybody. I will have your business and leadership lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. The 2021 Subaru Forester, a spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Join us for the Subaru True Love event going on now. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo. 
or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I've written extensively before that there are three components to communication. One of those is transmission, one of them is reception, and another one is authentication or verification. Transmission is telling, asking, and presenting. And I want to give you today four keys to transmitting your communication better. Reception is listening and hearing. And authentication and verification is understanding and comprehension. These three components working together at a high level of clarity makes for great communication between parties. I want to focus in on a few fine points of transmission, the telling, the asking, the presenting part of it. Transmitting and communicating your thoughts, your vision, your strategy should be a high priority, but the way you transmit it can improve your leadership brand or it can damage it quite a bit. Communicating your thoughts, your vision, your opinions, your plans, your strategies, policies, rules, or solutions should be treated with high priority. The way you transmit these things to your peers, your team, or to a larger body of people can add equity to your leadership brand, or it can damage it, sometimes in a great way. So you want to give yourself every chance to grow your influence and leadership brand equity. And the best way to do that is to conduct yourself properly when you're conveying thoughts in a convincing manner on the biggest stage you can get with your people. Here's some things to definitely think about before your next engagement with your audience, whether one-on-one -on -one or a group. Key number one, breathe. Remember to breathe. Use better body language. The thing is, and I just coached a young lady who was going for a college a scholarship to supplement the larger college scholarship that she had, and it was a special endowment, and it was a contest, and some of it was based on an interview. And so she, she and her parents engaged me to try to help her get the scholarship. And the number one piece of advice I gave her was to breathe. Because when you get nervous and you get under pressure, human beings tend to get nervous and shorten up the breathing rhythm. We breathe in a shallower manner. When you breathe, it's, you're not thinking about it, right? It's just one of those involuntary mechanisms that keeps you living and so your breath is on this rhythm, but when you get nervous, you get shallow in your breathing, your heart rate gets higher, your stress increases, and you need to be cognizant and self-aware enough to regulate your breathing back to a full and deep status. Same thing goes for your body. Don't allow it to shrink up or make sure it's loose and more flexible. If you feel like you're in a plastic bag, your whole body's being constrained inside a plastic bag and the bag's getting smaller and tighter, you need to shake yourself all over and stretch out as far as you can and loosen yourself up. The shallow breathing limits your oxygen intake and thinking rhythm, while the tight body sends a message that you have personal stress because you got bad news to share instead of being loose, honest, caring, and getting your good news across and received and authenticated the way you had intended. Key number two, lose the ums, the ahas, and the grunts. You might say, people don't pay attention to that. Well, I am, I'm telling you, they will if they're really listening. 
listening is the highest form of loving a person. And so if you're really tuned in and you're really active in your listening, you're going to hear everything. Do you want people who are only half listening to what you're trying to say? No, you'd rather have people be fully engaged and actively listening. I would be willing to bet you'd prefer that they just pay attention to you all the time. The audience that is truly listening will really make your speaking ticks and habits stand out. So you want to prepare your communications for the highest level of listener, not the lowest. Think about it. If you're going for the lowest level of engaged participant, why try to communicate at all? Key number three, don't get to the point too quickly, but don't drag it out. Boy, this is a fine point here. There is a sweet spot that you need to aim for in the explanation of your message. You spend a little time building your case before you go to the main point that you want to stress. So the one thing you need to watch out for is using the word basically. Basically, basically, it's a trigger for the listener. You talk for a long time maybe, and then you sum up what you really meant to say with a basically. Everything else was just chatter, but it got you to where you were going. So basically, that's okay with you. But it isn't okay, basically, with the listener who discards your previous case building as insignificant. After all, you did it first when you said basically. Right? They're going to think, why would you tell me all that? Why didn't you just tell me the, the basically part? When listeners lose the context of your message, you've lost them as listeners too. You turn down your own content and your own context into yada, yada, yada. Remember, nothing is ever literal or basic. Ban those words. Ban literal. So don't ever say, well, literally and basically, again, away from your vocabulary. Bye-bye. Key number four, handle objections better. You need to make sure you've done your homework and doing your research and fact-finding on the front end of your communication keeps you from being inaccurate and looking unprepared. If you really don't know the answer to a question, you need to say, I don't know, but promise to be diligent about finding out and following up. Make a list of the possible objections that may come up from the audience. Engage a few people to learn what those possible objections might be. Once you have your list, script your responses. Don't try to fly by the seat of your pants or someone will end up kicking you there. That's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. Join us for the True Love event going on now. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Thanks a lot for listening this week. appreciate you. Follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4. And on behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.